0: Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Yeah, I haven't preached in two months, and so I don't know how this is going to go. It could go a lot of different directions, but I will say this. As long as it ends up at the feet of Jesus, that will be successful. So that's the direction we're going to go as best we can. People are asking me, how are you feeling, what went on? I'm going to try and unpack what it's like to spend two months in the quietness of the presence of God over the next four or five weeks, because if I tried to do it all in one night, it would not work. So I'm going to start with a simple question that I dealt with about two months ago, and I'm still dealing with tonight. Simple question, it's in your outline What's your reaction when you hear the word stop? Each of us respond differently. Each of us have different ideas, different thoughts, different images began to pop into your mind. As soon as I said the word stop, when I came out tonight and we prayed together as a church family, and I, and I asked you to have a moment with, and just envision what would happen if Jesus showed up in your Saturday night and put his hand in the center of your chest and said, just stop. Many of you had different kinds of reactions. And then when I ask you the question, what, what do you think of, what happens in your heart when I say the word stop? For many people, there's an image that popped into your mind. It just showed up. It's a stop sign, a red, a red eight-sided figure that shows up on a regular basis on street corners all across the county and it drives you crazy because you're in a hurry to get things done. You're Russian, Russian, and life's no fun. I mean, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and you just see this as a, as a great big interruption When I say the word stop, some of you immediately think of a legal traffic command, right? The rules of the road, you learn them all the way back in driver's ed. Red means stop. It's a traffic deal designed to control the flow of traffic and protect drivers from hitting each other. Here's what's funny, even though it's a law in this county to stop when you see one of those red signs, and it's enforceable by the law, you can get ticketed or fined if you don't do it, there are a series of common responses that I've found. Some of you just comply. You stop behind the stop line. Some of you are like, there's a stop line? Yeah, (laughs) I'll talk to you in a minute, all right? Back to the law-abiding citizens. You stop, you look both ways. Because you know God is happy with you, you probably shoulder check just to make the Holy Spirit get in there too. And then you slowly accelerate with the blessing of God and the thanks of your guardian angel because you simply complied. Some of us are not like that. Some of us disregard it. We roll up, we roll through. The signs a suggestion, it's not a command. I'm in a hurry, so I will hesitate but I'm going to trust my own judgment and my own timing. I'm just going to roll right on through this one because I have places to to go. I know there are people in this room that are guilty of doing that. You know how I know that because I run. <laughs> I run out on the county roads. I ran a lot this summer. A lot. When I approach an intersection in Whatcom County, I am so unbelievably careful, because I've lost time, track of the number of times people just roll through a stop sign. They look to their left, giving no thought at all that there is a sweaty, tired runner approaching them on their right side. And as their mirror brushes my shirt, they have the audacity to look at me and go like, <laughs> <laughs> right back at you." Some of you are looking uncomfortable because you just about hit me this summer. Um, so, a bunch of boundary pushers. Some of us comply. Some of us disregard. Let's be honest. There's other people in the room. You see a stop sign, and you challenge. You see a stop sign, you go faster. It says stop, you accelerate. Life for you is just a great big game of chicken, and that sign means absolutely nothing to you. Sinner, <laughs> aren't we all? I say, Stop. You see a sign for some of you. You thought something totally different, you didn't see a sign. You heard the voice of your parent in your ear. Stop hitting your sister, fight nice. That's what my mom always used to say. Parents, what does that mean? I'm still confused after all of these years. What do you mean, fight nice? The point is to fight nasty. Like, that's the point, right? Stop hitting your sister. Stop gluing yourself to the floor. Stop saying that. Stop watching TV, Grant, and go outside. I heard this one a lot. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop procrastinating. Stop talking with your mouth full. Stop. And you had three choices just like I did. You could comply, and it was good. You could disregard and it was 50-50, could have gone either way, you could challenge, and in my family, you incurred the wrath of Ernie and Shirley Fishbook. For some of you, it's a parental demand. For others in the room, I say the word stop, and your mind goes to a completely different place. It's an oversimplified solution. Because you've had a very challenging problem, and it hurt you when somebody simplified your problem down to these words, just stop it just stop it. Maybe you battled an addiction, heroin, meth. Maybe you battled another kind of addiction, eating, spending, drinking, gaming, gossiping, whining, lying, whatever it happens to be, and you were offended when someone came to you and said, there's a simple answer, just stop it. And the reason it was hard for you is because your honest response was don't you think I would have if I could have don't you think I haven't tried I have spent hours with people sharing lifelong battles who have told me I grant I did I tried to pray my way out of it preach my way out of it serve my way out of it fast my way out of it work my way out of it deny my way out of it I tried everything I could and it still beat me, and that's why it's so hard when somebody says, just stop it. Years ago, I, I got to read a letter from a 14-year-old girl to her alcoholic dad in an intervention. She was pleading with her father to be a hero and go to rehab. That's what she wanted. And because she knew she couldn't read the letter herself, she gave it to me and asked me if I would. To dear dad... I'm not going to ask you to just stop drinking because I know it's more complicated than that. But I do have some loving requests. Please stop pretending this is your battle. I'm in it every single day. Please stop trying to push me away because you think it would be easier for me. It won't. Please stop believing that the world would be a better place. Without you, my world would not. Please stop denying that you've got a problem. You do, and I see it. And I see you. Please stop avoiding help. It's here. I love you. That's not an oversimplification. That's just plain beautiful. Can somebody say amen to that? It's beautiful. I love that that kid taught me not to oversimplify the request to just stop. So when I say the word stop, some people in the room, a legal command for other people, it's a parental demand for other people, it's an oversimplified issue to a really or oversimplified solution to a really difficult issue. And here's why it gets so unbelievably complicated. Most of us see God through the same lens. He's a lawgiver. And you better not break it because if you do, he'll crush you. He's a never satisfied parent who, who honestly believes you're never going to quite get it right. He keeps saying, Stop it, you just keep doing your own thing. He's an over simp- overly simplistic bumper sticker Jesus who's just looking at your devastating obstacles, and the greatest help he has to offer you is just stop it. What if there's another picture? What if there's something completely different? What if when God says to you, stop, what if it's the most loving plea ever uttered? What if it's a gracious gift? What if we could completely change our heart towards it because we understand greater his posture towards us today? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop for a moment and take a look at a picture I'm going to show you a picture. Pretty soon, it's going to be on the screens. It's been sitting here at my feet. Some of you have been trying to look at it from your vantage point, and it's not getting close enough. But in a moment, I'm going to show you the picture. So if you guys could put it up there for me, that would be great. Awesome. But I'm going to describe something to you as you look at it. This picture is from Magdala in Israel. In a few moments, I'm going to share with you what happened in Magdala. This past year, the group of us who went to Israel showed up in Magdala. It was not on our itinerary. We got delayed coming out of Frankfurt, Germany. We got split up in three different directions. And because we had to change our itinerary, our guide said, why don't we go to Magdala? And it didn't, re- it didn't ring a bell in my brain, I'll be honest with you. And our guide, Sam, said, Grant, just trust me. Just trust me. So we went to Magdala and we saw the home of Mary Magdalene. And we began to see the exploration and the dig that was going on there. And then we walked into a place called the Boat Chapel or around the Boat Chapel are eight columns. Each one of the seven of columns have the name of a woman that Jesus had a, an incredible relationship with. And then there was one column that wasn't named. And the goal of the chapel was to give you a moment to just stop and thank God for a godly woman that he would placed in your life. We were working up there on that floor Uh, a Catholic priest came and said, have you been to the encounter chapel? Didn't know what it was. We went downstairs into a cave and on the wall was a mural. And God wrecked us as a group. We had a beautiful encounter with the Holy Spirit in that moment just by staring and looking. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop talking. And I want you to just look at the picture. And I'm just going to let it speak for itself. And then I'll talk in a minute. Just take a look at the picture. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." Let me unpack this for you just for a second. The text doesn't say that Jesus stopped. I know. I know. But it does say there was a moment when he must have stopped in order to turn his attention to what was happening in the encounter between he and this woman, the lady who is described with this debilitating disease. And as I read the scripture over and over, and I spent time staring at this picture for hour upon hour upon hour, I see God stopping in so many ways. And I just want to share some of them with you because I think they're worth mentioning. Number one, Jesus stopped the destructive power of disease. He stopped it. He still can. He still has that power. Some of you are asking, Some of you are are reaching for the corner of his robe. It's the reason why you stopped your busy life and came to church tonight. You're asking, you're reaching, you don't know why it's taking so long, but you know, if I can just get to Jesus, something might change. You're looking for Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. That's what this woman was doing. Now think about this for a second. The Bible says she had done all of her due diligence, She'd gone to medical professionals. She did everything she could. She paid all of her bills. The insurance was paid in full. She did everything she could conventionally. And there is so nothing wrong with doing that. But she came up empty. She's exhausted in this effort of searching for a cure. And then she hears a simple rumor. There's a guy named Jesus. And he can change things. He can change lifelong blood-draining problems. He can, he can change everything. So she comes with just enough faith to believe that even if I can't get his attention, even if he doesn't talk to me, if I could just get a hold of the corner of his robe, it will change. And I know some of you are asking the same questions I ask every single day. Why not me? Why do I have to wait 12 years? Why did the paralytic have to wait 38 years? Why does it have to be so long? And I would love to slap a nice pastoral bumper sticker on your pain, but the truth is, I don't know. I ask the same question about a person in my family every single day. God, why not today? All I know is this, he healed her, and that helps me hold on. Jesus stops the disease. I don't care what you've got. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Let's keep going. Jesus stopped years of pain and torment. I mean, can you imagine the sweet relief that finally poured into her body? No more blood, no more shame, no more embarrassment. According to the Old Testament law, she was unclean. Nobody would go near her. She was supposed to stay away from everybody, years in isolation. And the power of Jesus coming through the corner of his clothes says to all of those years, stop no more. You know, this one's so important to us, especially to busy people like me, like you. Jesus stopped in the crush of a crowd to notice an opportunity. And nobody else would have noticed her. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt invisible? Have you ever felt more lonely in a crowd than you do when you're out for a walk all by yourself? I love the fact that Jesus stopped where they were going. There are other translations that say as they were going from this place to this place. So they're on a journey. Jesus stops because she's not an interruption. You're not an interruption. He sees you. He's saying, you're not just a face in the crowd. You are mine. I will stop. You have my full and divided attention. I see you. Your pain matters. Your story matters. Your life matters. And this is so important because the disciples were in a hurry. You can tell, right? This is the way they respond to him. Who touched me? Jesus, how dare you ask who touched you? There's a whole crowd here. Are you kidding me? I love this. Jesus stopped his disciples in their rush to move ahead. So many of us, let's just be honest, right? It's like, I'm in a hurry to get things. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And God keeps saying, stop. And we're like, no. Pastor Brian Steele noticed something in this picture. He and Katie have it in their home. Pastor Brian pointed something out to me. Can I get the picture back up again? Okay, perfect. This is awesome. Thank you. Way over here on my right, your left, you see this pair of feet? Well, Brian, being a really smart guy, said, Grant, do you notice that all of his weight is on the back of his left foot and that his right foot is lifted just a little bit, which means he's moving forward. He's not stopping. He's actually moving forward. If Jesus stopped right in front of him, this guy would have banged right into the back of him. Isn't that a great description of us? I have decided to follow Jesus, but if he ever stops, I'm going to run right into the back of him because I'm in a hurry to get things done. I got a lot of things to do. I'm a pastor. I'm doing the work of the Almighty himself. My response to Jesus when he stops suddenly in front of me is, come on, Jesus, lead follower, get out of the way. I know some of you are just like, Grant, that doesn't describe me, really. Let's take a look at your calendar and your schedule. I'll show you mine. It's changing. I'll tell you why I needed to step away for a few months. It wasn't just to get some rest. It's because the God of the universe told a pastor who's really, really busy, stop. Stop. Stop pushing, stop pressing, stop walking for me or stop working for me, actually come and walk with me. We miss out on so many things because we're just in such a hurry. Let's make this personal. What if God came to you today and said, I need you to stop chasing significance at work. It's not helping you. How would you respond? What if Jesus said, I actually need you to stop ignoring my command to love your neighbor. I need you to stop it. They matter. What if Jesus said, hey, stop pressing, pressing, stop pushing, just come and walk with me. Are you so busy moving ahead that you wouldn't even have time to stop and notice that a miracle just happened at your feet? Here comes my favorite one. I love this one. Jesus stopped an improper response to an irrelevant law. I don't know about you, but every time I look at this story, I'm totally focused on the lady. I am. I just focused on her because it's amazing. And and I see her. I, I see her disease. I see her need. I see her faith. I see her hope. I see all of those things. What I haven't ever seen before is her courage and her fear. I can relate to both of those. In the Old Testament law, this woman, because of her issue, would have been considered unclean. She shouldn't have been in the crowd. She wasn't allowed. She wasn't supposed to get that close to people. She shouldn't have been there. She also shouldn't have been trying to touch a rabbi because if you were unclean and you defiled a rabbi on purpose, which she was because she was reaching for the hem of his garment, if you did that, there was a penalty for defiling a rabbi. They killed you on the spot. She would have been stoned to death in that second. So we see this beautiful moment where she's reaching for the garment. What we don't see is as soon as everybody figures out what's going on, all of the good rule keepers in the room, every single one of them would have had a rock in their hand and they would have been walking right towards her. Pastor Brian Barron said this in the run-through. In a culture where the clean becomes unclean through a touch, Jesus changes everything because the unclean touches the clean and it gets cleaner. (laughs) Jesus flipped the whole thing upside down. You weren't supposed to touch me because I'll get dirty. Jesus says, no, 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 you touch me, you'll get clean. Bible says she throws herself at his feet and the whole crowd all of a sudden puts some pieces together. They would have been picking up rocks until Jesus stops an old identity with a new identity. I mean, everyone is reaching for a rock and then Jesus does something that stops everyone in the tracks. He says one word. Daughter. My baby girl. My chosen one. For this moment, my precious daughter, and all of a sudden, all of the rocks go back down again, because Jesus sees this woman, and instantaneously, with the utterance of a single word, "daughter," everybody goes, "Oh, their family. Their family." Some of you need to stop believing you don't belong because you got an issue. Who doesn't? And if you say you don't, you're lying. And denial's your issue. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Christ the King. (laughs) Some of you need to stop believing you're outside of God's love. Some of you need to stop believing that your issue can bleed you dry. I'll tell you what. I know this is going to be gross for some of you. Jesus had enough blood to go around. (laughs) All of these loving requests. A loving request to his disciples. Just stop and see her. A loving request to the crowd. Hey, no, 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 no. She's mine. Put your rock down. Let's turn a corner. I wanted you to see a posture of Jesus towards you. Because so many of you think that your issue, whatever's draining the life out of you, makes God cross his arms. Like a lawgiver or a demanding parent or an oversimplification of your problem, and he just looks at you and says, just stop it. Some of you have seen that posture so many times. The problem is you're wrong. What if God is lovingly asking you to stop for your good, for your freedom, for your healing what if it's the most gracious gift he's ever offered any of us tonight? It could be anything. I don't know what your issue is. I'm working on a few of my own right now. Take two months with just you, Jesus, and your wife, and it'll be very revealing. We all got something, but, but here comes the question, all right? How will you respond to that loving plea? Some of you are just like, fine, I'll comply. I'll comply, Some of you are like, okay, fine, I'll disregard it. Some of you are like, I'm gonna challenge it. Jesus still can't tell me what he wants me to do. I got another suggestion. What if the top three here that we got listed in your outline, what if those aren't the best options? What if the best option was to embrace it? What if you wrapped your arms around it as a gift? Here's how it works. Some of you have heard the the command of scripture as a follower of Jesus, repent and be baptized. Some of you are just like, I'll comply. I don't really want to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Grant guilted me into it. Some of you just disregard it. No, I'm not interested at all. Some of you are going to challenge me. That's not what saves me, Grant. I have no idea what getting my hair wet is going to do. And yet the God of the universe says, repent and be baptized. It's important. How about love your neighbor? Some of you are going to comply. Okay, fine. I have a block party. I'll get to know the neighbor. I'll fill out the map. You guys keep, you're on my back about it all the time. Finally, I'll comply. For some of you, you're, gonna, you're just going to disregard. Nope. You don't know my neighbor. I'm not interested. Not going to have anything to do with that. Kind of above this whole neighboring thing. Others of you are going to challenge it. That's not what it really means, Grant. It just means love the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. The little bitty baby and everybody else, it's fine. Just don't have to do anything with the people that are sitting there living next to me because they're just plain weird. How about rest? Some of you are like, fine, I'll rest. A nap on Sunday afternoon, hour and a half, that's all Jesus gets. Some of you are gonna comply, go, okay. Some of you are gonna disregard, maybe someday. I'll get to resting later. I'm busy right now. (laughs) Some of you are going to challenge it. That's Old Testament, Grant. It's no longer relevant. That's legalism. What are you doing holding that over top of our heads? Are you kidding me? (laughs) What if to everything that Jesus said to us, what if we embraced it? I wonder if we'd encounter him in a completely different way. I wonder if he would stop being a law abiding judge that has a vendetta against us. I wonder if he would stop being that demanding parent. I wonder if our posture towards him has been completely wrong because that's not his posture towards us. I wonder tonight what would happen if we saw the word stop as a gift because it came from a heavenly father with a loving plea who came to you and before he even said the word stop, he said, hey son, my daughter, stop. I just want you to think about that for a week or so. Just let it rumble around inside of your head. Maybe it resonates with you, maybe it doesn't. Next week, we're going to do something different when God says, look. But before you can look, I wonder if you actually have to stop. So I'm going to ask you the question again. What is God lovingly asking you to stop? I could give you all of my answer, we'd be here for another hour. Are you willing to embrace? What if that's the first step towards your miracle? So we're gonna stop and respond. In a moment, we're gonna sing a song, and I know that some of you are gonna go, I'm gonna stop listening because I'm stopping church and I'm out of here. Can I make a plea to you tonight? What we're gonna do in the next couple of minutes might be the most important thing of our whole evening because I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna respond and we're not gonna, to... well, if you're thinking right now about Bolton and getting out of here early, I would just love to lovingly make a plea to you. Could you just stop? Because I wonder whether or not God could show up in a song. I just wonder. So we're going to stop. We're going to take a breath. At the end of the service, um, a lady from our church who ordered this graciously allowed us to use it. And if you need prayer tonight for anything, or maybe you just need to come and look for a little bit, I keep staring at this thing and I, I find something new every time I look. And I keep hearing, stop, stop, Let's pray together. Father God, I know there are people in this room and they're really sick and they're really tired. And they're reaching with everything they got. They're just trying to catch the corner of your robe. God, I pray that they would know they're not alone. You have, you see them. And you want them, keep reaching, don't stop. Don't give up, don't stop praying. I know the timing is hard. But you're my daughter, you're my son. God, for those who just need to stop working, to stop striving, to keep pushing because all of the motivations are wrong. God, would you give us courage to do that? Lord, right now, I would love to invite Jesus to come to this room to meet each of my brothers and sisters, the sons and daughters of God, exactly where they are. I'm praying for a supernatural encounter where your love pours out and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved and seen. So Jesus, would you walk into this room? Because we know if you do, everything will change. I pray these things in Jesus' name.